Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Love and Context Podcast. I am Ben. I'm Spencer. And we're joined once again by Caleb Fox. Reminder, he is the chaplain at the local jail here, and he's been joining us for our back half commentary through Deuteronomy. Hey, how's everybody doing? You feeling more comfortable than last time? Oh, absolutely. It's always weird when you have a mic in your face and you're not used to it. Uh-huh. Church drummer for over 20 years and just having the microphone this close to my face, I don't know how to accept this. Right. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> and and some of you who have played on church bands, like you're familiar. Okay, so there might be like overhead drum drum mics and you'll have some like on the snare. There's never any in your face. No, and nowadays, like most church drummers are like put behind a cage. Yeah. And so they don't even see you. So they're like, oh, well, there's, I know there's a drum set back there and somebody's playing it but they don't see a face yeah they're very obscured and everybody else on stage gets a bottle of water but you get skipped over too oh just saying every time listen listen, anytime you come and play drums for us i'll make sure there's a bottle of water just for you thank you yeah it's gonna be half drink but (laughs) (laughs) if you could put a fan there at that drum too to have some fresh air coming through i'd really appreciate that dude i'm okay so (laughs) so those of you that are watching us on youtube and you're like man this went off the rails real quick you can you can tell that i'm a portly fellow and when I do worship leading, man, it, I get real hot. And so, like, for a long time, I did have a fan, like, on the floor blowing up at me because otherwise, let's just say that... That was when your hair was longer, so you could have your hair blown in the wind <laughs> while you're leading worship. <laughs> My hair was never that long. <laughs> so, okay. So... Little little uh, little side note here, because I've heard you both, your wife and my wife say this. Uh-huh. And also my assistant at work. Huh? Trevor Lawrence who plays uh, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh-huh. And I, whenever I'll say, and my wife goes, is he the guy with the really nice hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, he does. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> he has very nice hair. So uh-huh. so anyways, we are in the back end of Deuteronomy, and actually we're going to be in chapters uh, 31 through 34. That's 31 through the end of Deuteronomy. Can you guys believe this is the last episode in Deuteronomy? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. After this week, we have the Q&A, so if you watch this episode, it's probably the last chance that you're going to have to get us a question for the Q&A, but if you have other questions, just keep sending them, because we're going to do them periodically, I think every 25, 26 episodes or so. Yeah. 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 We left off the last episode, and Moses had come to the Israelites, and he said, hey, here's your choice. You can follow God, and he's going to bless you, or you can choose to not follow after God. It's not going to end well for you. Yeah. You got to make this decision what you're going to do today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then chapter 31, Moses uh, goes to all of Israel and he says, I'm 120 years old. It's good and life. I am no longer able to lead you. I don't think anybody could lead after 120 years old. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it's, you know, the crazy thing is he's still climbing mountains. Yeah. Well, I mentioned back when we were in Genesis when yeah. Abram had his first kid at, what, 90 years old? I, I think it was Ishmael. He's right like around 90 or 99, right around that yeah. age. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, how miserable would that be? Yeah. Like, I'm in my 30s with a five-year-old, and I'm exhausted. Yeah. Let yeah. alone, like, being, like, in my 90s with a newborn. 
So, so funny story about that is my mom came into town. So I sent my wife down to spend some time with her dad because he's not uh, physically doing very well and uh, spend some time with her dad to, you know, catch up. And my mom came down to help with the kids because I had to still work full time. So I'd have to put him in daycare the whole week. And uh, by the end of the week, I said, well, how's it going? And she's like, I remember that there's a reason you have kids in your 30s. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm pretty tired too, but I recoup a lot faster than you. Well, I, I sat by your mom in church that yeah. that week and she leaned over to me and this was day one. She's like, I'm already so tired. <laughs> <laughs> or something along those lines. Oh, that's so good. That's so yeah. good. And she watches this, so she'll probably uh, affirm or deny that comment. Yeah, it was, it was something like that. I can't remember, but. So right at the beginning of 31, Moses does something that I think is really cool I want to point out. So first he says to all Israel, he, God says to go to Israel, and Moses says this, okay? To all of Israel, Joshua is going to lead you, okay? So be strong and of good courage. Fear not. God is going with you. He won't fail, and he won't leave you. And then again, he says to Joshua specifically, in the sight of all Israel, to Joshua, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, God is going with you. He won't fail or leave you. Fear not. Wow. Now, this messaging is really good right here from Moses because the first is to everyone. So he calls the entire the entire assembly together and he says, this is the message. This is what's going to happen. And then he turns and he gives the exact same message to Joshua. Uh-huh. Now, I've seen a lot of, I'm just going to call them power transitions mm-hmm. in churches where a senior pastor is stepping down and they're bringing in a new pastor maybe to lead a, lead a ministry or lead the church, whatever it is. There are good ways to do that and there are bad ways to do that. Mm-hmm. One of the worst ways to do it is to tell the congregation one thing and the leader another. Yeah. But I have seen that. Mm-hmm. And then also for the pastor to undermine the person coming in behind them. Yeah. Rather than bless. Mm-hmm. 100% correct on that. I've, I've been a part of church transitions where the pastor... That was coming in was told one thing and the congregation was told another thing. I've been a part of those and they never end well. No. Like they're sometimes they're able to work things out, but it's usually messy. Yeah. yeah. Um in the transition of leadership here, you have Moses actually saying the same thing. Right. Which is very important. Saying the same thing to Israel, saying the same thing to Joshua. And very what, important. And one of the things I think is super key in here is something you said in one of the first weeks we got into Deuteronomy. Yeah. You made mention that after God says, hey, you're not going to go into the land, Mm -hmm. stop asking me, that right after that, Moses shifts, and it seems like he starts telling them how to learn from his mistakes. Yeah. And it once again looks here like Moses has probably learned from his mistake, and he's like, I'm going to commission Joshua the right way. Yeah. Because he does this right. This is the right way to do it. He doesn't try to undermine. He's not trying to, like, usurp leadership. He's like, no, Israel, this is the guy that's going to lead you. Mm -hmm. Joshua, you're the guy that's going to lead them. Yeah. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be like, who's Joshua? Mm-hmm. There's a parallel here, too, because this is actually the same language that's used in the Great Commission where Jesus is telling the 12 to go out. Because Jesus is saying, go and make disciples and remember, mm-hmm. I am with you. Mm-hmm. And so in here, you have be strong and courageous, fear not, God is going with you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus saying, go make disciples, I am with you. Are you saying Jesus, the second Moses, is commissioning the church to be like Joshua and go take the land? Yes. Hmm. Man, it's weird. I never. Uh, are you saying that the Bible is interconnected and the stories are are meant for us to understand the connections? Can you just knock the sarcasm <laughs> off a little bit? All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. It's. It, I mean, that's so good. I mean, you can totally, absolutely, because like you're supposed to go, but it's a different kind of conquest. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's no longer a conquest of swords. 
it's a conquest of the heart. Mm-hmm. And, and it's no and it's no longer a conquest of physical land, conquest for physical land. Right. Now it's a conquest for the hearts and souls of the people of the world. Because you see that echoed then again in Acts where he's saying go to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. It's that same it's this same commission that's being laid out. So good. I love that. So in verse nine, if you if you're reading along, you will see that there is a tonal shift. Mm-hmm. From this point on, the writing style is going to shift. Which makes sense because it says, Moses, having finished the law, gave it to the Levites to put by the ark. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's finished his what he's actually writing down, like his his testament, if you will. Yeah. And so the back end of, of Deuteronomy, you could say probably from this point on, was written by somebody else mm-hmm. because they're filling in what happened with Moses at the end. Yeah. Moses tells me, he says, every seven years when you're canceling the debt, which is going to happen every seven years, and then every seven of seven years is going to be the year of Jubilee. Jubilee. We read about that in Leviticus. If you are unfamiliar, go back to that episode because it's great. It says, read the law to everyone, men, women, children, even foreigners living with you. Mm -hmm. Every seven years, make sure that you're reading the law, which is, by the way, a principle that they come up when they do their parashah readings each week in synagogues, that they're actually reading through Torah every year. Yeah. They're making it make sure it's a very familiar part of their, of their, um, yeah, of their practice, of their walk. Teach them to fear God. And to follow the law. And then here's a really important verse for us. Okay. Verse 13. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Your children have to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not going to learn if you don't teach them. Mm -hmm. Parents, listen. I mean, that's me too. It's our job. Mm -hmm. I do feel like on my portion as a father... The most important thing that I do as a father is I teach my son who God is and how to have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Everything else he can walk out, but he's got to know this. Yeah. How to hear the voice of God and how to be in in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It rubs me the wrong way when people talk about this is because they're like, oh, you need to teach your children to obey God. I said, no, I need to teach them to know God because by knowing God, they'll obey him. Mm -hmm. Right. We need to. We just need to pause here and actually talk about the fear of the Lord a little bit, because mm-hmm. if you read Deuteronomy, you're gonna see that phrase pop up a few times. Yeah. Francis Chan actually has a really good video on the fear of the Lord. I love me some Francis Chan. Yeah. The bullet point of it is that in the world we have so many things that we're fearing, and fearing of the Lord is more than just giving on, just giving reverence, because He is all powerful. Like, you can't say that when he was delivering the ten plagues upon Egypt that there wasn't some, like, actual fear. Oh, my right? God, I can do this? Yeah. But when you actually lean into fearing the Lord, almost every time what happens when someone has a direct encounter with the Lord or an angel, they fall down in fear, and what does the Lord say? Fear not. Right. For I am with you. I have his Isaiah, you have Mary. Those are just two examples. In scripture. So when you actually step into fearing the Lord, you have nothing else to fear. I mean, I'm going to pull two uh, verses a little out of context, so please forgive me because it is love and context. Pastor Nick's going to love it. Right. Um, <laughs> but one of, one of the Proverbs is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now, Proverbs, of course, we need to understand are uh, pieces of advice for generally righteous living. Yeah. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. I, I'm also reminded of something John says. He says, perfect love. Cast out fear. Cast out fear. And so proper recognition of who God is should fill our heart with fear. Mm -hmm. Awe, wonder, and yes, even like 
Trembling. Understanding that he could tremble. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When we understand the love of God, it drives that out. Mm-hmm. Right. And it actually causes us to live differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that is troubling about some of our churches today and some of our Christians today is that they've got the fear part, but they're not actually having it driven out by the love. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're so worried about stepping out, they forget to step in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say there is a part that stays with you, knowing that God is all-powerful, knowing that everything is in his control. There is a oh. guy that goes to our yeah. church, and he is a former Army Ranger. Mm-hmm. And he's not a particularly big fellow, mm-hmm. but I've seen him in his gun training. Yeah. And in his combat training. And in, like, mm-hmm. jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And he is smaller than me, but I know... Oh, you'd be a dead man. I would be a dead man. <laughs> like, if we got in a fight, I would immediately get be on the ground and, and lose. I was like, mm-hmm. he's probably half my size. Mm-hmm. Now, he is incredibly gentle-hearted and a, and a great person, but I also don't forget that he could take me out probably just by thinking hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Growing up, like, my best friend's dad, he was on a narcotics team with SWAT. So, And he was not a big guy. He, same thing, not a big guy. But it was also like... We knew that we would not mess with him. Even play wrestling, we're like, we're going to lose in a right. heartbeat. Yeah. Ha- having the same kind of recognition for who God is, is healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to, you can't do things motivated by fear. You do things no. motivated by love. No. It has to be motivated by love. Mm-hmm. So God then then tells Moses, he says, bring Joshua to the tent of meetings and you're going to commission him. So Moses brings Joshua and the Lord appears as a pillar of cloud over the entrance of the tent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once again, this is the thing they've seen in the desert over and over again. So then God lets Moses know. He says, hey, Moses, by the way, I know that Israel's definitely not going to obey, and they're definitely going to forsake me. Mm-hmm. So he gives Moses a song, mm-hmm. and the song is going to be a witness against them when they turn away. Well, so two things have already happened. One, Moses has written down his law, which he says is going to be a testimony against them. And then <laughs> God gives them a song, which is going to be a testimony against them. It says that Moses wrote down the song, and he taught it to all the people. I just love that God's like, yeah, they're not gonna, not gonna listen. Mm-hmm. They're definitely gonna do something wrong. So let's teach them a song that they'll remember and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh right, that's what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Man, right there, God uh, talking to us about the need to incorporate worship music in our life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have a four-year-old. I have a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. How many times do you have to remind your son to put his shoes on? In song or by just regular talking because both of them happen a lot. Like the other day I was getting Denver out the door for school and it was hilarious because it was like, hey, can you get your shoes on? She's like, oh, okay. And she goes and like grabs her shoes, then sets them down, starts coloring. It's like, hey, can you get your shoes on? Oh, then she goes grabs her shoes and then she gets distracted by one of the dogs and starts petting one of the dogs. Hey, you need to get your shoes on. And (laughs) I think it was like seven, I think it was like six or seven times and she was like, Finally gets her shoes on and is out the door. Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's very similar to James, go to your room and get uh, a jacket. Yeah. And he comes out and I'm like, where's your jacket? <laughs> oh, right. And he runs back to his room and he comes back out with a toy and I'm like, where's your jacket? <laughs> oh, right. Like it, it's, it happens over and over again. And God, is, as a good father, is like, hey, I know that they're not going to get this. Yeah. Like I know they're not going to get it. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. that's so good. And I think I, the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of times we read this stuff being like, oh, well, God's being harsh. And it's like, 
he's being harsh, he's being angry, and we can interpret it in that lens, but that's not what's going on here. It's just God saying, yeah, you as my children, you're going to forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's being spoken as this is just a reality that's going to happen. And this is why we've always, this is why we've said on the podcast, you have to remember. Yeah. And I I think one of the things that maybe we should explore in a podcast is this whole thing of the anger of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think people equate it with the anger of you Mm -hmm. and God's anger is completely different than ours. Yeah. Like it's a completely different kind of thing. And so I think a lot of times we try to anthropomorphize God as like our anger. Mm Mm-hmm. And we try to define God by our emotions rather than dividing our emotions by God. Mm-hmm. And so maybe one of these times, I think it's probably a good idea. We should we should talk about the what it means when God's anger burns, mm-hmm. what it actually causes. Mm-hmm. Because it's not what you think. It's actually all motivated toward a perspective of changing you yeah. and bringing you to a place of being faithful. Amen. So then God commissions Joshua. Once again, it comes up, be strong and courageous, which is also going to be the opening lines of the book of Joshua as well. This is going to be coming up again. I'll be with you. It's pretty comforting when God has your back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's like, hey, by the way, I'll be with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to your point earlier when you're talking about the Great Commission, Moses tells him that, that God's going to be with him. Mm-hmm. And then God tells him that he's going to be with him. It's almost like the second Moses and God told his disciples that too mm-hmm. because they were the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once Moses was finished with the law, he told them to put it beside the ark once again as a witness against them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There again. So then Moses actually recites the song in chapter 32. And you know what? We're just going to read that. And uh, Caleb, I think <clears throat> you're going to read that out of the NLT, right? Yeah. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass. Let gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. But they have acted corruptly toward him. When they act perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of the elders and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he had divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land in an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spread his wings to take them up and carry them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes, but Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. 
Can we pause there for a second? That is also exactly language that shows up in Ezekiel when mm-hmm. Ezekiel talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. They were fat and overfed and they did not care about those around them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Continue there. That's verse uh, 15. Then they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God, to gods they had not known before, to new gods only recently arrived, to gods their ancestors have never feared. You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth. The Lord saw this and drew back and provoked to anger his own sons and daughters. He said, I will abandon them, then see what becomes of them. For they are a twisted generation, children without integrity. They have roused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I will provoke their anger through the foolish Gentiles. For my anger blazes forth like fire and burns to the depths of the grave. It devours the earth and all its crops and ignites the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters upon them and shoot them down with my arrows. I will weaken them with famine and burning fever and deadly disease. I will send the fangs of wild beasts and poisonous snakes that glide in the dust. Outside the sword will bring death and inside terror will strike both young men and young women, both infants and the aged. I would have annihilated them, wiping out even the memory of them, but I feared the taunt of Israel's enemy, who might misunderstand and say, Our own power has triumphed. The Lord had nothing to do with this. But Israel is a senseless nation. The people are foolish without understanding. O they that were wise and could understand this, O that they might know their fate, How could one person chase a thousand of them and two people put 10,000 to to flight unless the rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? But the rock of our enemies is not like our rock, as even they recognize. Their vine grows from the vine of Sodom, from the vineyards of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Can we pause there for a second? Yeah. Because we were just talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is happening in this song over and over again is he's saying that you're neglecting God. You're worshiping other things. You are worshiping gods that have just come into existence, gods you've never known. You're betraying your identity. Wow. Right? Over and over again. Once again, this is the this is the issue of Sodom is they became the opposite of the story of God. Mm-hmm. They actually became a place where the outsider was treated so poorly. Israel... You're going to become this. Mm-hmm. That's such a such a difficult thing. That reminds me of where it's talking about, you know, where people will know that it is the Lord that brought these things about. In 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, when, when the sacking of Jerusalem, when Titus led the Roman army, Titus was declared the victor. Now, as a victor, they would give the Romans a wreath of victory. Titus refused the wreath. And they asked him why, and he said that, this is not my victory. I was just a vessel for a divine wrath. Hmm. He witnessed it and he gave glory to to God for what happened there. He watched it come to pass from his point of view. Yeah. And he refused to take the victory for it. it kind of reminds you of Snekereb later in the text as well. 
Oh yeah. By the way, that's a great name, Sennacherib. If any of you are about to have kids and you're thinking of a great name, <laughs> Sennacherib just ro- ro- rolls right out the tongue, right? Hey Ben, how do you spell that? <laughs> With a lot of words, <laughs> letters. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Also, also like I don't know if it's just the worship leader in me, but I'm definitely catching a, a great beat behind the song. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's 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 get up here again in verse 34. The Lord says, Am I not storing up these things, sealing them away in my treasury? I will take revenge, and I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip, their day of disaster will arrive, and their destiny will overtake them. Indeed, the Lord will give justice to his people, and he will change his mind about his servants. When he sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free, then he will ask, where are the gods? The rocks they fled to for refuge? Where now are those gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices, who drank the wine of their offerings? Let those gods arise and help you. Let them provide you with shelter. Look okay, now. Let's, let's pause there real oh, quick. Sorry, one more time. So what, what he's saying here is, why am I knocking you down? Am I knocking you down to punish you? Or am I knocking you down so you no longer trust in the gods that you've built up in your life? Mm-hmm. Because now, when everything's gone, he's coming and he's like, hey, where are these gods that you're trusting in? You know those things that you thought were so powerful? Those things that you needed so badly? Like, where are they? Kind of what Elijah said to the prophets of Baal when they were dancing around trying to call down fire from heaven. <laughs> Maybe he's just in the bathroom. Keep, keep calling. Yeah. Maybe he's taking a nap. I love Elijah's smack talk because oh, yeah. he does it multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> but like, but like here, God, God's going to tell you. He's, hey, I'm going to bring these things. But even in the in the song, you can see like his anger is roused for jealousy for the people. Like he actually wants them back. Mm-hmm. This is what's the part of the story. And so then uh, let's let's continue on in verse 39 here. Look now, I myself am he. There is no other God but me. I am the one who kills and gives life. I am the one who wounds and heals. No one can be rescued from my powerful hand. Now I raise my hand to heaven and declare as surely as I live when I sharpen my flashing sword and carry it to bring out and to carry out justice. I will take revenge on my enemies and repay those who reject me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword will devour flesh, the blood of the slaughtered and the captives, and the heads of the enemy leaders. Rejoice with him, you heavens, and let all of God's angels worship him. Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles, and let all the angels be strengthened in him. For he will avenge the blood of his children. He will take revenge <laughs> against his enemies. He will repay those who hate him and cleanse his people's lands. So one of the things God's saying here, he's like, hey, I'm going to lay, lay, lay to waste all the things that you trust in, mm-hmm. and I'm going to bring you back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but don't get me wrong. As soon as you come back, I'm going to go, and I'm going to make atonement for you. Yeah. Like, these people aren't going to go unpunished because they come in and wipe you out. Like, mm-hmm. you're still in my treasured possession. Now, once again, we need to talk about conquest literature, right? Because mm-hmm. this is very much written in the conquest like l- narrative with, like, my arrows are going to be drunk with blood and all these different things, which are very familiar to the time but aren't necessarily ref- reflective yeah of the heart of God. Yeah. And we need to be, be conscious of that kind of literature. What we are, we, we always want to do is we want to make sure we're reading the Bible in context mm-hmm. and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> right. In verses 46 to 47, Moses says, you need to obey these words. They're not idle words. Obey these words that I've given. They're not idle words. They are your life by them. You will live. Now, how crazy would it be if we actually treated the word of God today in our life 
as not idle words, but actually the very words by which we live. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of people, they read these passages like that song we just read of the Old Testament, and they think that there's a huge contrast between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament because they think there's just some sort of injustice coming out there. But when you look at the history of what went on in Israel, when they forgot God, when they went on doing their own things, what they were doing to themselves and also the people around them, I mean, there was abuse, there was murder, there was cheating, and the Lord said, I will repay, you know, for what you did, yeah. and I'll take care of it, and I'll cleanse it from there. So there was a reason for the justice. Well, and even with that, whose job is it to administer justice? Not mine. Not no. mine. Not mine either. It's not Israel's either. No. It's God's. It was God's job to avenge, and it is his job to administer justice. Now, Right away, we coming back to last episode, you think about the statue, it's like we're called to administer justice and bring about justice. Of course, I'm talking about on a national level. Mm. When we're talking about uh, not, not necessarily standing up for people, but actually judging, like standing in judgment of people. Right. The only person who actually has that authority is God. Mm -hmm. We are called to bring justice to all people. He's the one who actually can judge them. Mm -hmm. When we when you take these words, and, and to your point where you're talking about with people where they're like, man, I'm just glad I'm under the new covenant, not the old covenant. I was like, well, the new covenant is the old covenant made new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're actually trying to accomplish the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just that Jesus changes our nature and empowers us to live by the Holy Spirit. But the covenants are remarkably simple. It's now It was always supposed to be about all nations. Now everybody's being welcomed in. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to scrap the law. He came to fulfill it. Right. Mm -hmm. Put it on display. Show you what it was always supposed to look like. What we said is Jesus, Torah made flesh, is mm. going to show you what Torah was always supposed to look like in the life of a Christian yeah, or in the life of a Jew in that time because Christians didn't exist. Christians didn't exist prior to Jesus, just so you know. Mm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so in verse 48, Moses is reminded by God that he's going to die. Mm -hmm. It's always a good reminder. Hey, by the way, you're going to die. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's going to see the land, but he's not going to go into it because both of them, he and Aaron broke faith with him at the waters of Meribah Kadesh and did not uphold his holiness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is what God he says. Hey, you're not, you're about to die. You're going to be taken up to, to your people just like Aaron was because you did not make me holy. Now there is a whole podcast episode where we talked about how Moses spoke to the people instead of speaking to the rock and the ways that he didn't put God on display in that moment. So go back and check out that episode. But here's what I think is really interesting about what Moses learns. Immediately after this, Moses steps up to the people and he starts to bless them. Mm -hmm. He's told that he's about to die and he's not going to go into the land because of his mistakes. And his response is to bless the people. Mm -hmm. Right. I know that I have at times through Deuteronomy been tongue in cheek, hard on Moses. This is a dynamite reaction. Mm -hmm. Right. This is one that, I mean, I think that we should walk with every day. That when we are confronted with disappointment in life, we bless those around us. Yeah. When we are not allowed to do everything that we think we should be allowed to do, we bless those around us. Mm -hmm. When we encounter hardship, we bless those around us. Mm -hmm. Going back to the Aaronic blessing, the implication of the Aaronic blessing is that the priest should bless the people. Because mm -hmm. he says, when you bless the people, right. say this. Well, and blessing people who put you through the ringer. Yeah. yeah. Like, is like we often will just kind of dumb down Moses leading Israel out of Egypt and being like, oh, yeah, he led them out of Egypt to the promised land. Israel put him through the ringer. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, they were not an easy people to lead. 
And there was times where Moses was like, you stiff-necked choice words people. Uh, <laughs> stiff-necked choice words people. <laughs> there was those times, and then there was times where the Lord's like, uh, why did I do this as right, well, right? right? Israelites, the Israelites were not easy people to lead. And well, Moses' and- response at this point is, I'm going to bless you. And, and to your point with how they felt about it, or how he felt about it, on multiple occasions, it says he cries out to God. The word for cries out is the exact same word that shows up at the beginning of Exodus when they are crying out to the heavens because of their misery. Mm-hmm. It's the same word. Mm-hmm. He is crying out to God likely because he feels like his life is in danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also a little word in here for church leaders too, mm-hmm. or people who are wanting to go into ministry leadership. It's a sucky job. Oh yeah, yeah. If you were being, if you were sitting here listening to this, man, I really feel the Lord's calling me into ministry leadership. We will bless you. Mm-hmm. It's a sucky job. No, it's going to be hard. We uh, talked about Aaron Couch, Mike, my pastor mm-hmm. in college. Uh, one of the things he told people is he says, "If you are called into the ministry, we are going to do everything we can to help you. But if you are not called, please do anything else besides this. Yeah, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you really want to do it, it is a difficult, difficult, mm-hmm. difficult job." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think loving people as a regular Christian is really inconvenient. <laughs> oh, just wait. You just, just wait. wait. <laughs> you don't get to get upset when they when they mess up your order at Starbucks anymore, <laughs> verbally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. So he goes and he blesses Israel. And specifically, there's he, he blesses the tribes and he blesses like specific people. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but it's in it's in uh, Deuteronomy 33, and I would recommend that you guys read them mm-hmm. because throughout Scripture they're going to reference these blessings that Moses puts on the people. Yeah, and it's going to be referenced throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and that the authors moving forward are going to assume that you know this. Mm-hmm. All of Torah, they're going to assume you are intimately familiar with when they write the rest of their books. Mm-hmm. So sp- spend some time and actually learn learn those. What, how crazy, I mean, I I just think about Moses. This is his last act before he dies. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how amazing it would be the last act of your life? You know when you're going to die Mm -hmm. and that you gather everybody who matters to you and you pronounce a blessing over them before you die. Mm -hmm. Huge. Can you imagine how powerful that'd be in someone's life? Oh yeah. Like I'm about to pass on to eternity and I just want to pronounce a blessing over you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That as God was faithful to me through all the years, he's going to be faithful to you. Mm-hmm. God willing, that's going to be us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So then in chapter four or 34, <laughs> no, not chapter four. That was, that was a little while ago. <laughs> chapter 34, Moses climbs the mountain and you know what God does? He shows him all of the land. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works because they, they describe all the areas and there's no way from the top of the mountain you could actually see it. Mm-hmm. But God does it. He shows them everything. He says, this is the land I promised. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not go over to it. And I just love the grace of God in that moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the Bible, Romans 3.23, that verse, you know, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God you know, they're sinning, which is open rebellion against God. But then there's times where when we're falling, Lord, those are the times when we fall short of the goal that God called us to in the first place. Before you go any further, oh yeah, finish that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
awesome, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Such a good one, man. Sorry, I interrupted you there a little bit. Oh, all good. But like, but yeah, like we're all we're getting captive by the sin, but like the gift of God. Absolutely. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter because we're talking about the book of Romans. He's saying it's not your justification, not the way you were brought up that justifies you, but it's the gift of God because he's better than our failures. It's not how you started. It's how you finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. To your point, Moses is a sin, but the gift of God, even in this moment. Oh, yeah. He gets to see the land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 40 years in the desert. Mm-hmm. Moses has been following God for 80 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he actually gets to see what was coming. And I just love the grace of God in that moment. He got to witness the blessing that laid before them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a call to leaders there too, where your work that the Lord has called you to is generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should have somebody that you are building up to put in your place. And a lot of times we've relied on other people to put people that in, in our shoes when we're done. And that's, I don't have anything against that personally, but it's, there should be a building up of new leaders and a passing of the torch. Oh, yeah. Because we've talked about living generationally and planting tamarisk trees mm-hmm. as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So in, in case you have not, uh, if you're not familiar with that, tamarisk trees take 400 years to grow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So when God gives Abraham his promise on the land, Abraham plants a tamarisk tree. Wow. Mm-hmm. And 400 years later, people come out of Egypt mm-hmm. back into the land. Wow. So you don't plant a tamarisk tree for you. You plant it for your kids, 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 kids. Mm-hmm. To your point, we're thinking generationally, and it's amazing when God gives you a glimpse of that future, but our job is to plant seeds yeah, and to foster and grow those seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's the, have we as a church been the ones to bring in the younger to start teaching them? How good have we done it with that in our areas there? I think we're doing better. I, I actually want to compliment the church. I think that they're doing a lot better at engaging the next generation earlier and on their level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like there are definitely churches that do it better and there's churches that do it worse. Mm-hmm. But I think as a general trend, I think that the church is recognizing the need to live generationally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. right? Absolutely. I agree. All right. And so let's just read those last uh, few verses in chapter 34, starting in verse five. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said, the Lord buried him in the valley near Beth Peor of, in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miracles and signs and wonders in all the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and his servants and the entire and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all of Israel. That's quite the epitaph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like all of our conversation about Moses, we always want to come back to the fact that there was not a prophet that knew God in the same way that Moses did. Mm-hmm, right. This was a definite change in relationship between God and humanity. 
Mm-hmm. Like something shifted in Moses. Yeah. Now I, I take that step back because obviously in the garden, Adam and Eve had a different kind of relationship with God. But this, like uh, we talk about Noah and then we talk about like he walked with God, but Abraham actually had a, a more symbiotic relationship with God where he was his God and his, and he would follow him. But Moses, it was different. Mm-hmm. It was a different thing. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Abraham's relationship, it was the Lord revealing to him more and more who God was with, from the background that Abraham came from with his early childhood and his growing up. Well, and Moses Moses knew God's name. I mean, all Israel knew God's name, but Moses was the one who was told God's name, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Moses didn't want to be the one involved in the Exodus. Mm-hmm. But think of all the things that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, they would have happened because God would have accomplished his will one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But think of the things that Moses would not have got to be a part of if he hadn't said, yes, begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moses is an all too relatable character in scripture. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when he was when he was called at the burning bush, he gave five excuses which are all too relatable. <laughs> like I don't talk well enough, like I'm just not good at this. To finally I his, don't want to. I, the last <laughs> one was I just don't want to, right? <laughs> to when he was leading, he didn't do things perfectly, he messed things up. He had times where you were talking about earlier where he was crying out to the Lord in such misery and pain because of the position he had Mm -hmm. that he was like, these people are just horrible to work with and crying out to the Lord. He did not do things perfectly. He messed up. He screwed up. But yet he was someone who followed after the Lord and constantly tried to return to the Lord and come back to the Lord when he, when he was in those spots. And I think, I think we saw that demonstrated through even the book of Deuteronomy. It Mm -hmm. seems like Moses, even from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, Mm -hmm. learned something about trusting God in the moment, trusting the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And part of Moses's difficulty is there's times where the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to provide for the Israelites. And Moses is like, I don't like these people right now. Yeah. Like water from the rock. Yeah. Where the Lord says, Hey, go speak to the rock. And Moses goes over there and hits it with a stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, I totally feel him. Like, I learned as much from Moses' mistakes as I do from his faithfulness. Yeah. yeah. That that whole experience, like, you're like, yep, I get that. I get being mm-hmm. upset. So this is the end of Deuteronomy. And so let's just, let's just take a look back and just think about what's going on in Deuteronomy. Like, the big things that come up over and over again is remember where you come from. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember, remember. It comes over up over again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we can try to remember the story enough. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you and I had talked about when we were talking about festivals and we talked about like the Passover, I've done those Seder dinners in the past and they tell the story of the Exodus and God's faithfulness and bringing them out of Egypt and all these different things. And as I'm telling the story, I'm just familiar with the fact that we don't tell the story often in the church. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a hurry to run and talk about Paul, which I love Paul. Okay. Okay. And we're in a hurry to go and tell the story of Jesus, and I love Jesus. But Jesus is taking the story from the Old Testament and bringing it into mm-hmm. a new context. Mm-hmm. We don't tell the story of where we've been. And, and a lot of times, like I'll be honest with you, we don't even tell the story of Jesus. We like to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection and forget about his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Church, podcast listeners, we need to tell the story. Mm-hmm. We need more conversations like this where we just talk about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where we just discuss how God moves and how we can be a little bit more faithful. Mm-hmm. Like Deuteronomy, man, next generation, remember, 
Think generationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've made mistakes. Here are pitfalls. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your big takeaways from Deuteronomy? Well, there's a couple things. So one, Deuteronomy really, in many ways, is a, is a love letter to Israel from Moses, mm-hmm. where he is explaining his mistakes. He's telling them about his mistakes. He's telling Israel, like, hey, follow after the Lord. He reminds them, you're going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's like, yeah, they are. All right. Like, <laughs> I agree. Yes. <laughs> and so he reminds them, he's like, you're not going to do this perfectly. And Israel does not. If you continue reading through the Old Testament, you'll find that. But Moses here is he's saying, hey, I didn't do this perfectly. And I really wish I could go with you. But I'm going to bless you because I love you all dearly. Mm-hmm. Oh. Despite so despite the fact that they put him through the ringer. Oh, yeah. Even towards the tail end where they do this whole song where it's like, you're going to screw it up. And then they're like, hey, but here, you're going to be blessed. Here's how we're going to bless. So that that's one thing mm-hmm. that takes me away. That, that is, is a takeaway for me is just the love Moses has for Israel. And then the other thing is Moses's as much as Moses didn't recount all the stories correctly, there's an honesty to whether he did things right or wrong. In the book. And the owning up to how I did things well and how I did not. And that in in and of itself is huge. And we need more of that in, in the church. What about you, Caleb? You know, I think some of the biggest takeaways I have from Deuteronomy is that when you just go reading it, you know, it's our misperception of it is that it's just a bunch of laws of what to do and what not to do, when mm-hmm. in reality... It explains what happened. It explains the good, the bad, the ugly. It doesn't hold anything back. Mm-hmm. But yet it's done for, you know, even our own benefit to this day. And just the powerful transitioning for in leadership, you know, to the next generation, you know, to to the younger, you know. I mean, what if, what if Moses didn't take the time to invest that time into Joshua? Because with, with all due respect, you know, the Lord will accomplish his purpose in any way he can. But, you know, you don't see the Lord sitting there mentoring, you know, Joshua on, on a mountain somewhere. But instead, Moses made himself the vessel that was also also giving, you know, Joshua these years and these experiences. And, you know, in, in what I do as a prison chaplain here in town, I experienced that firsthand, you know, with, from the previous chaplain, mm-hmm. the previous chaplain trained me up and he came to a place where he was no longer able to do it. So I am not qualified to be in the jail, to minister, to, to train others, but I'm called, you know, regardless of it. And the Lord has blessed it. And I know what it's like to have ministers in, even in the jail turn on me because they didn't like they didn't like a younger guy. They didn't like, you know, somebody who presented a different plan. Mm-hmm. Many of them are gone and many of them verbally came after me, but it was the Lord that kept me through it even to this day. So there's the good, the bad, the ugly, but the faithfulness of God as witnessed by Moses, Moses reflected that into Joshua. Right. Mm-hmm. I think of last few weeks, one of the things that I was thinking about is is like last week we talked about this whole thing of the blessings and the curses and which one are you going to choose. But even in the curses, he talks about how it's 
it's the outside, then it's your neighbors, then it's your crops, and then it's your food, and then it's your animals, and then it's your family. Everything's going to get devoured. You see this this cycle of what sin does to you. Mm-hmm. It starts with a very small thing, but it completely devours you. And right about the time that there's no hope, it says, but if you listen to the voice, there is no shadow too deep. Mm-hmm. There is no mountain too tall. There's no distance that's too far. There is no egregious sin too big that God won't completely restore you and vindicate you. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean the consequences of our actions are going to go away? No, of course not, because Moses didn't go into the land. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any of us would argue that Moses was vindicated by God through his life. Absolutely. The consequences didn't go away, but he absolutely was vindicated by God. And I just praise how loving God is in those situations. If there's one thing that we take away from Torah is that God loves people a lot and he's going to do whatever it takes to destroy the gods that you trust in yeah. so that you place your faith in him. Yeah. So that's Deuteronomy. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah. If you are looking to get in t- touch with us, we are available at loveincontext at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. And uh, you can message us any of those places. Uh, you can always send us questions for the Q&A. I, like I said at the beginning, is you may get us for this Q&A and maybe for the next one. Sometimes we'll just write you back answers and then we'll bring your question into the Q&A later. So we won't make you wait 25 weeks to hear mm-hmm. from us. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb, we enjoyed having you. Hopefully we can get you here for one of our mini series that are coming up. All right. You just hit me up. I'm available. And this has been fun. We'll just hope that you're not in jail. <laughs> oh, I'm not afraid of going back. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. You have a good week. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveincontext@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. Welcome back to the Love and Context podcast. Thank you for that. <laughs> Let's do it one more time. Moses, and he says, no, sorry, I, took, I said that all wrong. I said it all wrong. Ben, edit this out. You were wrong, 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 wrong. You cannot read. Okay, say uh, that again. That way you sound yeah. smarter. <laughs>